0: Chicago's Velasca, are here for a visit. Guys, thanks for joining The Antidote.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: How about each of you introducing yourselves and giving us your role in Velasca? Uh,
1: I'm Matt. I
2: play drums. I'm Dave. I sing and play guitar. I'm James. I sing and play guitar. I'm Zach. I play bass.
0: Velasca began as a solo effort, I guess, from you, Dave. Yes. What was it that made you want to decide to switch to being a full band?
3: Well, it was really just Uh, because at first it was Matt and Zach when Velasquez started touring. They started just kind of touring band members, but there was just like a real chemistry that just seemed to really work when we toured on Natural Habitat. So we kind of explored it through writing a little bit, and then they became full members, and then we recorded the second record, Thing. Um, And then it was through that that James kind of jumped in, and then with Encoet, it was the four of us writing together. Anyway, I mean... I. I loved playing solo. I mean, I, I feel like I'll always kind of love just like the solo aspect of writing. But I think bringing in other opinions and other artistic opinions, like it really, it really was beneficial. I think to the music overall.
0: And what about your other guys? Is Dave really that sort of obnoxious, bossy kind of guy, or is he easy to get along with?
1: Oh, he's horrible. <laughs> no,
0: he's uh, he's he's imagine.
1: great. I, I would I would personally have a hard time bringing a song to the table, and you know. Taking feedback from other people and making changes, so his willingness to do that's great, and I think it would be hard
2: to work as a band if that wasn't the case. Yeah, we're we're pretty lucky in that aspect that nobody feels
4: that pressure from Dave at all. It was a natural progression overall, too. Nothing really felt forced, so didn't really take too much time to think about it.
0: And you guys have remained as an independent band. You've never wanted to hook up with a label. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who is? Did I open a can of worms there? (laughs)
2: Well. <laughs> no, we just have never had an opportunity <laughs> to be yeah. honest, completely blind.
3: Um, I mean, sure, we've thought about it, and we've, I guess, kind of done some cold calls to some labels that we really, I mean, are fans of, fans of bands on there. But, yeah, really, for the most part, like, we just kind of have that DIY thing just, like, really deeply embedded. Like, Matt is our engineer, so, like, all the Velasco recordings after Natural Habitat is all Matt's work. I think there's just, like, something about knowing that you know we literally did everything for for the music um and just for the band like we'll occasionally get help but everything just kind of doing the DIY thing it's just it's a little more gratifying at the end
0: i guess this goes back into you know Dave's solo era because the original two recordings were both done with Aaron Marsh of Copeland as producer yeah do you think it's really given a change to the sound of Velasca
3: i think so there's definitely some elements that I kind of took and ran with that I picked up from Aaron. Just, I mean, yeah, just overall, like, when I first went into the studio with Aaron, I really looked at him as just like a mentor, and um, I just kind of, you know, I took everything that he was willing to offer up. Um, really, I mean, he taught me a lot about just, like, the writing process, the recording process, and then meeting the rest of the Velaska guys. It was just kind of like I applied that to their processes as well, and then it just kind of formed into what the band is now. So it's like there are still some elements, definitely some instruments. Like Mellotron is consistently on every single record, and I don't see it going away anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, other, other elements have definitely changed. I think the other music has gotten a little louder, heavier than the first two records.
0: But it is still mellow. Yes. Okay, you guys might be offended with what I'm going to say here now, but, you know, I've always really enjoyed emo music, and that's the kind of impression I get from Velasca. I mean, I find it sort of carries that same sort of vibe, you know, that inner turmoil. But do you think that emo label actually fits your music?
3: I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been called emo since I was like 13.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Even my phone is emo.
3: (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, I think it, you know, it might just be one of those things that's kind of deeply ingrained in myself. Um, and, you know, I, it probably comes as no surprise that I, I draw a tremendous amount from Conor Oberst and just Bright Eyes in general. So, and, and he obviously dealt with that label for a very, very long time. Um, so I think yeah, it's just to get kind of a little instilled in my music as well.
0: And certainly nothing wrong with having him as an influence.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I love them,
1: so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I guess one real difference with you guys, I mean, it's much more atmospheric than just emo. And I mean, that style really came through on a song "Reanimator" from your Thing album.
3: Yeah, um, uh, really, <laughs> I, I think w- when Matt Zach and I toured Natural Habitat, it was just like a, an acoustic trio. And then with Thing, I mean, I know for myself and then James coming into Thing and then in co-ed, To be honest, it was really like James and I just kind of exploring the world of guitar pedals. Um, I mean, I became addicted pretty quickly. So like all, yeah, just the atmosphere, the reverb, the delays, like it just kind of really grew on me.
0: But even with the newer recordings, it still carries that pretty distinctive sound from Velasca. I mean, you can always say even from the earliest to the newest, this is it. This is the band. This is what we sound like.
2: Yes. As long as I've been in the band, it's always kind of been the mentality that, you know, whatever songs come out, we should never be too worried about. They're going to sound too much like this. They're going to sound like yeah. hopefully at the end of the day. And just the way that we record them and, you know, Matt's touches on the recordings, it seems to all kind of work out that way.
0: I want to cover something a little bit more in general I find so many bands rely on just having catchy hooks. But Velasquez seems to put a real emphasis on the lyrics, or at least that's my view. How do you see it?
3: I mean, yeah, with the first couple records, for sure, um, I tried to back off a little bit on lyrics on this record, mostly just because, I mean, Thing and Natural Habitat were extremely, extremely wordy. And I think when you have something like that, you kind of sacrifice like a hook or some sort of melody, a catchy melody, because um, it, it can be difficult to throw that when you have a ton of syllables in you know, just a couple of seconds.
0: I'd like to hear about the songwriting, how it's done for Velasca. How does it work?
1: Uh, well, if I can answer this one, and I think this, this goes back to what you were mentioning, about how even though there might be an acoustic song or you know, a song that's more atmospheric, they still sound like Velasca. I think no matter what happens, the songwriting process has never really changed too much. So I think that massively helps things sound consistent, even if there's different textures and different, you know, arrangements. Um, I think at the end of the day, a Velasquez song is a Velasquez song, because generally it's something Dave's written. Maybe not
2: necessarily the chords, but he's put a lot of work behind it. And we all understand that, like, that's how it is. That that's kind of like, a lot of the times the overall feel is coming from Dave, and kind of our job to enhance a little bit but also like preserve that song.
0: So does it originate with the lyrics or with the music?
3: Um usually like I mean yeah every every song starts with just like me and one instrument. Like I'm trying to think there I, I know there've been a couple songs specifically on and where like we formed like the first song spring. Um like James came to me with that guitar chord progression and then I wrote lyrics to it, and then was, I think, essentially just the first verse. And then we didn't necessarily know how the song was going to play out until we just kind of started hashing it out all together. That was like a, a different and a very fresh approach to the writing process because past records, like Thing was, you know, I would finish a song just on an acoustic guitar or piano, and then I'd bring it to the band, and then we'd kind of work it out and make changes from there whereas this one, there was more of the kind of building the song from the ground up altogether.
0: You've been mentioning about Incoit, which just released this tune. I don't know, is that the most misnamed album on the face of the planet? (laughs) I mean, the word means unformed or incomplete, but obviously can't be applying to the album itself because it's totally cohesive. So that leaves me wondering why you happen to choose that name for the title.
3: I mean... I think for a lot of reasons, Uh, one is just that, like, as much as you've been saying, like, you know, Velasca is Velasca, like, I still think as musicians, like, I mean, we're constantly growing and changing, Um, so, and just lyrically, um, my, like, perceptions on the world, and, like, emotionally, like, everything is just, is constantly changing, just, like, looking at certain things I've written in Natural Habitat that, are almost like completely irrelevant to me now, which is kind of mind-boggling because at the time it was like certain emotions or whatever were like so earth-shattering. To now, it's, yeah, it's like they're irrelevant, but I have this whole new batch of life experiences and whatnot to draw from. So I think lyrically that's where, I I personally, but I don't know what the other guys have to say about what their, I guess, take on it is.
1: I, I think a little bit, it's almost, the record title is almost sort of like a chapter name for the band. I don't think it necessarily describes the songs, but how we feel about the band at the moment we recorded them. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of what Incoit was about for us was a lot of the sets we play live, we might play our more kind of sleepy and, and down songs, but we like to totally change that live and play them kind of high energy. And uh, we wanted to sort of capture that on a recording. Um, so i think it was you know we we don't certainly feel we've fully formed and we always want to be changing and trying new things and never want to make the same record twice so it's like i said almost more of a marker a chapter title for the band than a description of the songs themselves
0: well i guess you did bring up this point and i was wondering about it myself about how your music translated into a live show because Seriously, your songs on the records are really uber chill. But you're saying it takes on a totally different flavor when it's a live show.
2: I mean, especially when, like, we're about to go on tour for two weeks. I mean, when you're playing shows kind of in a consecutive manner like that, I mean, you just get bored playing, like, the slower tempos and things like that. So you're just looking for ways to um, kind of enhance that, I guess, a little bit.
4: When we did our, um, our first tour as more like an acoustic trio, um, there were a couple nights where we would be playing like an open mic at a coffee house and we would have to do the really kind of chill, chill set. But then a couple nights where we'd be playing more like rock clubs where you have to keep people a bit more engaged. So I think we experimented with a couple of different sounds there and then just kind of ran with that. And as much as we played with, like, the the genres or the instruments of the music, we also kind of did some dynamic things, which I think translated a lot into the recordings. But into the live set, we kind of mixed things up pretty frequently.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the recordings. Vessels is the lead single off in Koei. Tell us about the song.
3: Um, I'm trying to remember at what point we wrote that song in the process of, like, the record. Um... I don't remember at all. It was
1: pretty middle.
3: (laughs) Yeah. It started as a really, really slow piano song. And it was completely instrumental, actually. Um, And then I transposed it to guitar. And then I showed Matt. And Matt was really into it. And then we kind of started rolling from there. And then we just kind of sat on it for a bit. And then... We kind of revisited it later on in the in the writing process, and then we just kind of it stuck out, and we were like, "Yeah, this this seems like a strong song." And it had a pretty upbeat feel to it, like a little up tempo. And again, like yeah, a lot of our stuff is really droney and sleepy. So anytime you have something a little different, yeah, you want to like draw some attention to it.
0: And do you think that's the standout track from the album?
3: Um, I think all of us have our own favorites.
1: Um, my favorite, personally, is Spring. I think it was hard finding the single. Every every single person who ever heard the songs thought a different song was going to be the single, and we had I, I think we had about three or four. We were all going between, but yeah, it wasn't easy. Yeah.
0: So it was a battle.
1: I don't want to say it was a
2: battle. <laughs> we bare knuckle box for a few <laughs> rounds. Yeah.
1: No, it was a, just a
2: lot of uh, shrugging our shoulders and looking at each other, saying, mm-hmm. I, "I don't know." I, and that's the thing. I think we just tried to look at it sort of objectively as best you can do that, and which song most represented the album one as a whole, and then kind of hey, you know, it, it's catchy. Like it, it just stuck out. I think for us, and it ended up being the best choice. I yeah,
3: think. the the most ironic thing about this whole record and whatnot is is mostly the timing. Like releasing a Velasca record at the beginning of summer. It just seems like almost counterproductive because summer is like this time to be so upbeat and happy and like, you know, outside and doing all these things. But all the songs are mostly about like depression and just kind of being indoors and (laughs) like sad and gloomy. I mean, literally even the color scheme of the record is the exact opposite of what you normally associate with summer and warm colors.
0: Uh, but maybe it'll work just as well when you're out on a long road trip and you just need those mellow tunes to carry you through.
3: Yeah, it's true.
0: I guess we were speaking about Vessels being the single from Incoit. And I guess nowadays, so many artists really just put so much effort into singles rather than an album. But you guys almost seem to head the opposite direction. You know, you're really making all of your songs key parts of the album. Is that the best route to take, though?
2: Well thank you first of all <laughs> for for noticing yeah, something really, like that. Yeah. That's yeah. Really
3: cool. yeah, I think all of us and that's what again like speaking about the chemistry right away like all of us have always kind of been that like we we never really lost sight of the art of making an album rather than just like let's just put together as many
2: singles as we can. Well, especially in a time when like that's all it is. Songs are just disposable. Yeah. And it's important to like kind of get an overall feeling of an LP than just releasing EPs or singles.
1: Because I think a, a, a single song by itself can have totally different meanings in the context of the songs that surround it. Right. So to just be doing singles is great if you want to, I don't know, make a little money quickly. But if you're trying to say something and have some sort of lasting meaning, I think it needs to be taken in context. And that can only really be done in an album.
2: Hopefully we can keep it up. <laughs>
0: Then that makes me ask a natural follow-up question. Is that how you guys listen to music? Do you listen to the singles, or do you like to listen to albums?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're uh, we're all just, you sit down, you listen to a record, you know, front to back. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I'm a sucker for, like, catchy hooks and, and catchy little songs, but then you go and listen to the record, and you're like, ah, eh, you know, I was expecting more, you know, and then you don't get substance.
1: I do have to admit that I think um, technology has changed that slightly. Like, for example, Spotify, unless you pay for it, you don't get the choice. So it's going to randomly select things for you. But when I had an iPod that worked, I would always (laughs) start from the beginning. And then if I stopped somewhere, stopped and then picked it up from there. Let's say I was driving and commuting or whatever. But I think there's a yeah, I think there's sort of a lost art of writing songs in an album and placing them and it's kind of sad that that isn't the case as much anymore
0: i think i want to head back to speaking about the recording process for inchoate what were the struggles and what was easy for you
3: um i think the struggle was that we we're on a bit of a strict timeline like tour was already booked um but for the full, most part yeah for the, like there's like, a couple dates but yeah it was essentially already booked and I, I remember at one point it was like, oh, tour's booked and I have like like five songs I need to write still. Um, so, yeah, like there was a bit of like, oh, we can't just sit on this forever, which was great because on Thing, it didn't take very long. I mean, it's like in the grand scheme, it was only like three months to make Thing. But I think not having time to kind of sit on songs like, I mean, I always, th- you know, the limitations always, I think,
0: make for more creative decisions.
3: It was kind of like a blessing and a
2: curse, the having the timeline.
0: And what was that time frame?
2: Six months all the way through, right? I mean, yeah, I think so. What um, to just clarify?
1: We were planning on doing a tour in the summer, um, and this is mid winter, I yeah. would say. And yeah. then we had you know five or so songs, and then we figured, well, if we're going on tour, we might as well finish a record. So we're touring on something as opposed to just going on the road. So then we were like, all right, well, let's make a timeline and figure out how we can finish a record in time to uh tour on it.
0: I guess different artists work in different ways. I mean, I had somebody on and he is so structured. Like he just sits down, and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to write all the songs in 10 days and that's it.
2: I mean, did he have any help? Did he have any like record help? I want, you know. No.
0: No, he just sits there and this is how he's done it for 30 years and just like
2: treats it like a job and
0: you know gets up in the morning i think it just seems so unnatural
2: yeah that'd be tough because you have off days i think i heard like sam beam from like iron and wine i mean he obviously has kids he's obviously in a point in his career where he kind of has to maybe do it like this but he just gets up in the morning and like takes his kids to school and in the time from nine to five like he just writes music but also, you know, we don't have that luxury. I was
0: going to say that.
2: <laughs> We're also pressed for time in, in our own kind of personal lives, too, where it's like we have jobs and things like that, and writing and recording has to get in there somehow. So,
0: Do you like that mix, or would it ever just be a total joy to be able to do music full-time?
2: Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> <It's so laughs> it would be, it would be really great to just do music full-time. I'd love to see what, like, come out of that, like... Just, oh, wait, that's like our job now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that is obviously a huge dream.
0: Well, you know, I think I find my overall impression of Incoite is it's sad. You know, there's sad songs, especially with one of those, which is Human Condition. And it's got lyrics that say, now that I've fallen sick with the human condition, where's life better with both your eyes closed or whatever gets you home? What brought all that about?
2: Uh, uh, it's an old tune, right? I mean: Yeah like, they said It's, it's funny,
3: yeah. Uh, human condition was actually like, I guess you could say it was like a natural habitat B side. Um, like I wrote it in, in in that time frame, or I at least started it, but it, it's it's funny it, like human condition, I, I don't know how long it is, I think it's like four minutes now. But that song used to be like close to seven minutes long. Like the choruses alone were a minute
0: each. Wow. Um, Yeah,
3: it was just, it was like a, it was literally like my personal novel. It was just, it was so wordy. And then again, like with this record, we were trying to move away from that. But I still really like connected with the song and I still really liked it. So we just kind of found a way. We kind of, we gutted the choruses and just kind of rewrote them. Um, We just found a way for it to work. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know it's, it sounds silly, like I'm 27, but yeah, it's just the song really mostly comes from just kind of the whole idea of like trying to find like who you are and I, I guess the whole journey that coincides with that process, I guess you could say. I mean, I feel like, you know, again, it's tie in with the album title. It's just, you know, it's constantly changing and like, you know, one day you might feel like you have a certain aspect of your life or all of your life figured out. And then all it takes is for like, you know, one event to you know just to change everything and then you feel like you're kind of starting from scratch again. Who oh, no. knew
0: <laughs> Exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well okay, I guess in Kuwait's out now, and you said you've got plans for summer touring. Whereabouts are you heading? Down south. Down south in the summertime. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. fun.
2: That was
1: stupid, it's gonna right? be yeah, it was
2: poorly planned. We didn't mm-hmm. think that through. <laughs> uh we're headed to um kansas city nashville new memphis, orleans memphis
0: all and, the hot ones
2: all the hot <laughs> ones we're like where can we go where it's we have the best chance of just sweating until we die. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you really want to make sure the air conditioning is working in the van
2: yeah yeah, yeah. It, is. it is we're, is we're good, sure so of
1: that so, so far so good until we hit the first city and then yeah. it's gonna break for sure
0: well, let's talk about weather in your city. I mean, you guys are from Chicago, so you, you got to tell me, is it really as windy as they say? <laughs>
2: I guess in the city, but I feel like in every city it's going to be <laughs> a little more windy, like if you're downtown.
0: Yeah, yeah there's some I mean,
3: pockets where it hits you, but I think as much as anywhere else, I don't
4: know.
1: I guess you well, notice the,
4: it most in the winter.
1: That's true. Well, uh, uh, yeah, the wind is cold, but I mean, that as the saying is, it comes from people talking bullshit. <laughs> uh, oh really? Yeah, the windy city. It's from like politicians. Yeah, I did not, not know actually, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd say a lot of people talk bullshit here. But <laughs> yes, it's very windy in that regard. Yeah.
0: Okay, well that cuts the whole interview because you guys have just been BSing me.
1: That's, that's right. right. Yeah, this yeah. has all been a lie. We're not even a band. We just recorded an album just yeah. to uh, just to do this and trick you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but here, seriously, what's your favorite thing to do in Chicago? Oof.
1: Me,
3: personally, I love the museums. Like, any chance I get, I can, I, I'd i love to just go to any. Like, I've been, I've been meaning to get to the Field Museum. Um, like, I love the Art Institute. I mean, we just have great
2: museums here. So, that's if I if I have extra time, that's definitely what I'll try to do. Food for me. It's I hard mean, to go wrong with food. Yeah, me and Matt can act on food quite a bit. I mean, <laughs> I can just be like, hey, i try this place. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, we're just, <laughs> so, we're just like, so in tune to, like, all the different kinds of cuisine around here. It's really nice. There's a lot, though. I mean, there's
1: good venues there's good breweries there's good uh places you can drink beer and play video games and that's true yeah that's great for us we like to do both those things so
2: there's a lot of places and i'm sure this isn't exclusive to chicago but there's a couple places in the city where you can go and play like vintage pinball machines and vintage like video arcade games and drink and it's really great (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to like you know small talk and uh and yeah it's really entertaining it's really nice matt's a big motown guy like we're, we're going to Detroit at the end of the tour, and we're pretty excited to go see the Motown Museum in there and kind of be around that culture a little bit.
0: Okay, pull out your favorite Motown artist. Oof. Tough one.
1: That is, well, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, uh, I feel this is kind of, I guess, going to sidestep your question because it's not a direct answer, but I definitely identify with Barry Gordy, who started Motown. I don't want to say I want to follow in his footsteps, but I um, I sort of do. <laughs> um, he uh, basically started a studio in his house, and that's more or less exactly what I want to do with my life. And I sort of, uh, I just quit my job to do that. So I, I, want, I would say as much as any one Motown artist stands out, I kind of appreciate what he's done, even though he probably just paid them nickels and took advantage of a lot of talented artists. (laughs) Uh, Without doing that, I I think uh, that guy had an amazing life. And if I could just sliver a tiny piece of that off for myself, that would be an amazing way to spend my life.
0: That's so true, because so many recording studios now are just running with just a few artists and putting out some incredible stuff. Yeah, right. Right. So listen, before we go, how about telling us where to find Velasca online, and where do we get your music?
2: Pretty much all your streaming websites, Spotify's, Apple Music,
1: iTunes, iTunes. Bandcamp. Uh, We have a big cartel if you want t-shirts or to buy a physical uh, CD. You can buy bundles and whatever.
2: Yeah, we have all kinds of deals on there, so check those out. Facebook.com slash Velasca Music. Instagram, Velasca Music, all that.
1: It's all Velasca
4: Music. (laughs) <laughs> i think there's a dot that's kind of a portal to everything
0: too velasca has been here with the antidote guys thanks so much for joining in thank,
1: thank you so much for having us it was a good time